so Ruth Bader Ginsburg's dying wish was that her Supreme Court seat not be filled until Donald Trump is removed from office. <laughs> no, not. I I think this uh, this is what they said. Uh, it seems uh, Ginsburg dictated this statement to her granddaughter Clara Sparrow. My most fervent wish is that I will not be replaced until a new president is installed. So what you said, um, even jokingly, uh, about Donald Trump, if you look, if you take that statement literally, that is true. Because if Donald Trump is reelected, then he's not the new president. So she is looking for a new president to be installed. So you're right. If you take those words literally, but, but then we cannot take it literally because that would be an originalist or uh, a conservative approach looking at the words literally. We don't want to do that. We, we will have to give it a liberal meaning. um, And, and think maybe what she meant is once once uh, the election is over and the inauguration has taken place and whoever wins the election. But this is, you know, jokes apart. This is what I feel. Uh, and this is just my personal opinion. I, ha- I don't know Clara Sparrow, her granddaughter. I don't even know how old she is and what she does for a living. I don't care at this point. Knowing Justice Ginsburg... Again, I have great respect for her as, a, as an intellectual, a very polished, highly evolved intellectual. In 2016, she did say that it's the president's constitutional power or it's the president's power granted by the constitution to nominate a Supreme Court justice. And it's the Senate's duty to consider that nomination or perhaps not even consider it. So she basically recognized what the Constitution says about this. And the Constitution actually, this is one of those express things in it. This is not something we have to guess. It's not substantive due process that came out of the due process clause of the 14th Amendment or um, some, some right that the Supreme Court created. None of that is expressly written in the constitution that the president shall nominate and the senate shall uh, affirm uh, it's not a, the it's not, Court. A, not a not a commerce clause issue this one it's not a commerce clause exactly it's not yeah exactly it's not a commerce clause or a due process or the created substantive due process of the 14th amendment or anything like that yes that is correct so given her views about that in 2016 and knowing her track record, I'm going to go out on a limb that whoever heard her say whatever probably did not hear this right. I personally, I'm very strained to believe that Justice Ginsburg would utter such words. I mean, think about it. She has had this legacy at the Supreme Court throughout her life as well, a legacy before the Supreme Court. She's done all these things. She's been a fantastic justice. She's, she's a powerhouse. 
And I would think she, she knew she had done a fantastic job. The job satisfaction definitely was there. Do you think a person of that intellect and who has led such a fulfilling life would still have something left, something wanting, and, and tether everybody to some kind of dying wish? I think, apart from, let's even say, whatever she said to her granddaughter, okay, let's put that aside. The politicians who are trying to take advantage of her statement on both sides, you know, people who are, uh, you know, who belong to the Democratic Democrat Party and people who belong to the Republican Party, using that statement to either gain support to stop the nomination or gain support to go through the nomination to to point out how ridiculous such a wish would be. I think everybody's taking advantage of this uh, great woman uh, and they're trying to make her that person. But like you said, don't make her that person. Don't make her that person. Don't use her for that. Uh, like I said, I'm very strained to believe that these were her last words. That that out of everything, she, all the advice that she had to give to her family, to the parting words, to uh, mm-hmm. loved ones, my parting words are never going to be about my business. <laughs> well, right. That's, you that's know? one of the things I, yeah. wonder, I wonder if you I, know. Uh, you know I yeah, go ahead. One of the things I was going to ask. Sorry. we. Could, I, I, sorry, but one question about that. The You said these come, these, the report of this comes from her, her granddaughter or something like that, right? And yeah. uh, what were these, is this supposedly like, a conversation they had you know like some you know a couple weeks ago or was this like she's expiring on her deathbed and right and she says because this is a story so, that's painted in the media right my last right wish. so <laughs> right then, so you know yeah no uh, from what i've read and again my sources are what's there on the internet right now because like i said in my in my opening i do not know clara spera she's not my friend I don't know her. I don't trust her. I don't distrust her. I'm just completely indifferent to Clara Spera, her granddaughter. I don't know Clara. So I don't know what Clara heard, when she heard. But what's in the, on the internet, it seems like this was a few days before she died. It wasn't her dying wish on the deathbed. It was maybe a part of a conversation. But even then... She must have known this is important, right? If mm. she says, my most fervent wish is that I will not be replaced until a new president installed, that means at some point she had the premonition that these, this is my last day or these are my last days. This is the end. And when your end is closed, what do you really choose to say to your loved ones, especially your granddaughter, not your son, not your daughter, not the important people who are probably popping in and saying, hello, we don't know how many, how many visitors she had and how many political visitors she had. Did somebody from the Supreme Court drop by? Did one of her clerks drop by? Because the, another story is her clerks never left her side. So it's strange that she decides to say this to her granddaughter. I don't know how long this conversation was. What I'm trying to say is this whole story seems very strained to me. 
I am strained to believe it. Well, in the end, it's, it's hearsay. If we want it's to absolutely it. hearsay. Yes, it's absolutely hearsay, and there are no hearsay exceptions, right? Uh, because this is not some business records or anything like that. This was not under a duress or anything like that either. Um, yeah, it's it's absolutely hearsay. Uh, yes, to use a legalese term. But, you know, I don't want to make it... Right. It's not a legal to, question. I just mean to frame it It's not it a like legal question. Yes, exactly. What, what I'm trying to say is I think we are belittling the awesome legacy of this lady, mm-hmm. of this heavyweight, just like Scalia and, yeah, I mean, how many justices do you remember in, in our age of that stature? And again, like I said, they were best friends, both of them. Polar opposites in their approach to uh, the law, statutes, and uh, decisions. Best friends uh, in real life. Um, and, you know, can you imagine uh, Scalia saying something like that? Hey, I'm, you know, I'm. if I die, this is what I want to happen. I mean, as if this is a will. She left a testament. And in that testament, she said, by the way, I, 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 I want my seat to be inherited by somebody <laughs> appointed <Right. laughs> by the new president, by oh, a new okay. president. Yeah, yeah. So the Supreme Court justices, I didn't know, are now uh, nobility. And they're able to bequeath, <laughs> yes. you know, their their uh, their yes. lordships onto my throne. They choose, yeah, right. Yes, and it's a throne because it's a seat in there. I bequeath my seat, right, to to such and such, mm. and and here's here on I, I here's therefore I proclaim. This is not a proclamation, and she knew it. She knew it, and it is very silly, very silly to to stick these words onto such an intellectual super heavyweight that's my point my i think and and listen my admiration for her is not more than what her family for had for her okay however my admiration for her is no less than anybody else in the world unrelated to her by blood and who is not her personal friend, right? All other lawyers, all the liberal politicians and all the Democrats and all the Republicans, all the conservatives, whatever they claim, they cannot be closer to her than me or you or, or our listeners, unless they're her personal friends or... They were somehow tied to her life. Well, you might, family. You, you, now you might be a little closer because you, you met her or were in the same room with her when you were admitted to the U.S. Supreme Court bar. So, you know, you I might could make have a bit of, you know, I, you can make that's that case, right. I think. Well, I can, I can charge you with the same offense because you too were there. That's true. You were in the that's same true. court when I got admitted. You were there as well in the Supreme Court, so I can say the same thing about you. You probably are closer to her than many, and you're closer to um, who else was there. There was Sotomayor, right. uh, Justice Clarence Thomas. Uh, we saw Justice uh, Kavanaugh wasn't there. Uh, 
um, uh, Justice uh, Kagan, and then um, and uh, Judge Justice Alito, I believe, was there as well, and Gorsuch was there, correct? So yeah, we we saw all of them. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So yes, you're right. I mean, I've seen her in 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 the flesh. I've seen her there in person. Uh, and on that particular day, she didn't look very well. Uh, mo- she she for the most time, mo- most of the of the admission that went on the ceremony that day, her head was, um, you know. Uh, kind of hung down. Uh, she looked very tired. However, I think she did uh, pick up her head uh, once and looked around. Um, I can tell that the... Let me think. I think Justice Clarence Thomas uh, made eye contact with the general area was where I was sitting. Um Justice Kagan at some point glanced through that area as well. The others were looking in the other direction. It was a it's a huge room, and I think they all made eye contact with somebody or not some particular person, but at least with uh, people you know general area. And uh, and Chief, uh, well, I don't want to forget Chief Justice uh, Roberts, right. uh, who who actually uh, clearly had. Uh, some exchange with uh, the dean of Albany Law School, uh, Dean Olette, uh, because she's the one who introduced us there. Um, so that was very nice. And um, yeah, so I have seen her in person. And again, um, my affection uh, towards her is through her decisions, uh, through her intellectual prowess. And I, and I respect that. A, a, a lady who fought cancer for so long, for many years, decades, um, who who fought cancer on behalf of her husband since her law school days, since she had her first child. Such a lady would not somehow use words uh, to the effect that she bequeaths her throne to the next person and, and lays down certain criteria uh, that this is what needs to happen. It's as if she's sending us on an errand after her death. All right, I'm going to die, but I want you little boys to do this for me. Right. I, I just, I, like I said, I don't know Clara, but I'm just strained to even believe this in first place, that this is exactly what she said. And, and yeah, my oh, most yeah. fervent wish. Is this how she spoke? I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's it's just that trial attorney in me, like kind of dissecting everything here, mm-hmm. and then both these parties are using that to one party sh- uh, using it to say, "Hey, that's her dying wish, so we need to honor it somehow." Firstly, it doesn't matter what her wishes; she knows, and she told you, she actually told you guys, the mechanism for appointing a Supreme Court Court justice. It's laid down expressly in the constitution no guesswork like you said like the the commerce clause or substantive due process which these words didn't even substantive due process doesn't even exist in the 14th amendment they just made these words up these words are expressed on the other hand choosing of a uh, supreme court justice or federal courts 
these are express powers, enumerated powers. They're okay. right there. You can read it. Anybody can read it and understand it. <laughs> right. It's straightforward. Right. Logistics, yeah. right? The logistics of logistics. the mechanisms of government is as technical Correct. and simple as it gets. Absolutely. So the fight Absolutely. over the, the whole thing about that is just, just silly. And I, I bring yes. up... And, 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 then, and then the Republicans are using it to show to demonstrate some kind of ridiculousness of the Democrats for using it. And therefore, hey, look at how ridiculous they are. And we need to just do what we want. Yeah, just drop it, guys. It's not a fight we should be even fighting yeah. about. And, <laughs> and, 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 you know, and sure. Okay, you know what? Actually, let them fight. But I think people need to understand this, that, listen, this is one band of thieves fighting with another band of thieves and we are the cops it's as if a a <laughs> bank robber with his buddy goes to a bank and they rob a hundred thousand dollars and they and they have two bags of fifty thousand dollars each and they get out the understanding is they're going to meet somewhere then bank robber two just disappears and bank robber one calls the cops that is the people and says hey we just robbed a bank and I got robbed by the other robber. Can you please catch him for me? See, this is now, ridiculous. Now, now, Mr. Joshi, you're being very generous with the late uh, Justice Ginsburg, but very cynical with our legislators. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, guilty as charged. <laughs> guilty as charged. You, you know, know? It, there's a, uh, uh, I just, something I didn't think of before, but I just thought of now as we were talking, uh, you know, I, I brought up the point that, you know, you know, that you, that, you know, the fact that you've been in the room, you know, at the Supreme Court with Justice yeah. Ginsburg, Ginsburg and the other justices, well, you know, already having an admiration for her already, yes. you know, having read through her decisions and, you know, understanding her profile. And then she was there uh, officiating. Not She wasn't the officiator, but she was there, you know, as part of the officiating party in that yes, ceremony absolutely. to swear yes. you into the bar there. So that gives you that connection. And so, it, it, you know, your, uh, your take on the, on the dying wish issue is very generous, very human, not just cause you're a good guy also. That's why, you know, you're a good guy. And what's one thing I thought of the counterpoint to that or an interesting, maybe something to think about is that, you know, historically, I think uh, people, successful people who have been successful in politics whether that's the supreme court right to, or you know to any high degree of office or anything anywhere uh these people not always i don't say always but uh it you know they can be petty you know what i mean like if yeah. you go all the way back to the very beginning of this country i, I believe John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, right? John Adams was the second president. Thomas Jefferson was the third. They were good friends, and then they were enemies. And, uh, yeah, you know, they had this big fight. And so I, I believe John Adams' last words were Thomas Jefferson and then something inaudible. Uh, that type of – it could let's assume it was negative. That type of pettiness is not, uh, is not uncharacteristic of these people. Mm -hmm.
perspective, you know, and so the, the alternate view could be, I'm not saying this is the case. In fact, I don't believe it is the case. I'm just saying it could be the case. You have a Supreme Court justice of the United States, and it could be that she very much disliked this president. And who knows, maybe it was her real dying wish that, you know what, I'm hanging on and I am not, I do not want to be replaced by this president. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I, I see what you mean. And, and, yeah. you know, you're right. Uh, people, when they rise to that level, uh, we are all humans and we develop uh, this thing uh, called as an ego. And there's, there's always this, a little, um, little man within us uh, called uh, his name is narcissism and and we have that we all have it and and it gets probably it probably gets bloated when you when we reach much higher in uh, status in life or the narcissism itself is one of the factors that pushes a person all the way up yeah because it's it's exactly it's a motivating factor it's 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 that ego the ambition the narcissism and I know narcissism can be used uh, mostly is mostly used in uh, with a negative co connotation, but right. ambition is 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 one form of narcissism. Ambition is that faith that I am better than these circumstances or my competitors, which is which is people, and I'm going to achieve this, uh, and and we do that. Um, uh, so yes, I, I, I duly noted your point is, is duly noted and it's a good point. It's absolutely possible. Uh, and there's, there's, uh, there's, uh, if I may use, um, a, another term, uh, in law, well, a demurrer, I, you know, demur, um, yes, all these facts may be right. Even if she'd said that it does not matter in law. It, does does, it doesn't matter. Did you right. see the video? Uh, <laughs> look at the video, I, everybody. The Rock I, versus AOC. It's yeah, gone. I, you know, I, uh, somebody <laughs> said that. Uh, somebody sent me a link and they said, you got to watch it with The Rock. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> I, I, you know, sometimes, uh, yeah, wisdom comes from The Rock. Yeah, wisdom does come from The Rock. And um, that's right. So uh, there's there's a concept called a demur, demurrer in law, and this is exactly what it is. Even if all the facts are right, you know, it still does not prove the point in law, uh, and everybody knows that. In fact, even the people using it know that. Right. You know, there's, there's we we're not talking about kings and queens and knights. We are talking about the constitution, and this is the way it, sh it needs to go. And, and uh, no, you know, we can, we can fleece this. We can beat, the, the politicians can beat the dead horse, uh, you know, about all these wishes and grants and all these things. But, and, and the term, uh, and of course, I, I, I mean, no disrespect when I use the word dead horse. It has nothing to do with the death of uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> like I said, right. yeah, yeah, I don't want some. It's a, it's a term. It's what the politicians yeah. are doing. Yeah. They're using the phrase. And they're just trying to just milk the cow. You know, this right. is, again, there is no reference to Ruth Bader Ginsburg when I say use the word cow either. It's, it's 
I just want to clarify <laughs> I don't because think, I don't. Yeah, I hope no one thinks that I, I didn't think. It yeah, this is ridiculous. Yeah, somebody, it, it, yeah, listen. In my religion, the cow is sacred, so I'm not. I never make jokes about a cow. So let's. Let, yeah, and and I'm a stickler to that. My my mother will will uh, beat me into submission if I disrespect <laughs> the cow. It's it's not happening, you know. There's one yeah. thing, you know. I there are not many things I follow with uh, Hinduism. Uh, oh, there's one thing I will is never eat uh, anything to do with the, you know. I I don't eat beef, and that's what it is. And the cow is sacred to us. Um. Anyway, well, so. so yeah, so that's a it's a good point that you make, and I think it's an, an important one because I haven't heard it about that take on on Ginsburg. But what so what does all this have to do with Barrett? Okay, so well, uh, everything to do with Barrett, right? Because right. Barrett is probably going to be, and uh, news is she's definitely going to be the replacement for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Now, people, and and. Yes, uh, I know we are continuing with uh, the theme discussing why Amy Coney Barrett should or shouldn't be and what the analysis is going on. And uh, some people may uh, wonder how come I come out as a defender of Ruth Bader, Bader Ginsburg. I come as a defender of anybody at, of that stature. The intellectual prowess that lady wielded. She, she laid down the, the pavement for people such as Amy Coney Barrett to tread upon, okay, Kagan and 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 all these women who are on on the Supreme Court, not that they they don't not that they did did not deserve those positions. They are great women themselves, but even they agree that Ruth Bader Ginsburg opened the doors for many women countless women, let's use the word countless women, across the nation, across the world, and she was a beacon for women. And uh, in, in my personal life, my mother is, is one of my idols. The other idol is my father. You know, the, I, my principle in life is God cannot be everywhere sometimes. He's busy doing some things. So what he does is he puts two people in his form permanently in your life. And he says, this is your mother, this is your father. They will not misguide you. Worship them and I'll be happy. And that's the principle I follow. So my mom is very important. Yeah, my mom is very important to me. And, uh, you know, she raised us. She worked through, you know, she went back to school after raising us, uh, became a professional, um, you know, she became a doctor. Uh, so great respect for both the parents, and they are my gods. And as a Hindu, I'm allowed to have a million gods. Okay, I don't mean to <laughs> insult you in your faith or any of my Christian uh, friends or my Muslim friends or Jewish friends. As my faith allows, these are my best gods. And and to go along with other religions would say God is everywhere, then there you go. He is there, he is here, and he is in my parents as well. So I'll follow that. And I can see my idols. They're there. I'm into idol worship, and these are the only two idols I worship. Uh, so yes, so, uh, you know, empowering women is, you know, it, it's, it, we, 
it's, you know, we, we can do a lot of lip service to it. And then we actually see it in action. So when I sat in that court, you're right. The admiration for all these women and men, uh, it, it, it's, it's there. You know, you, ha- you cannot help but admire these people. I wish Scalia was alive when I got admitted. I would have just looked at him and thought about all his uh, funny statements in his uh, decisions. But um, that was not to be, it's okay. Uh, there was Justice Gorsuch in his place, but uh, perhaps we won't get anybody as funny as him ever again. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, he, he wrote some awesome, you know, the decisions you, you are in law school. So you've read all those decisions yourself. Um, uh, yeah. So what I'm trying to say is, uh, one lady replacing another lady. I, I like it. I like it. And, and why, how does Amy Coney Barrett come in, uh, in play? Because she is going to be nominated to take Ruth Bader Ginsburg's um, spot. Whether she'll be confirmed or not, I don't know. It all depends on the Senate now, but it seems like Donald Trump is going to do that. And just, and this is my prediction, if she does get on the bench, there is a huge possibility that she is going to be the Trump legacy. Not Gorsuch, not Kavanaugh. But I Amy was... Coney Barrett, just like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, was the legacy and is the legacy of Bill Clinton, right? Bill Clinton appointed her and, and changed everything. And she single-handedly changed a lot of things. She, even if her decisions did not win, even if she was in, um, in the dissent, did not matter because people took those words seriously. That's something I'm glad you, you, you just kind of segued right into what I was going to ask you anyway, which was, mm. you know, there's, there's a number of nominees and, you know, it, really there's an infinite, almost infinite pool, not infinite. There's a large pool that you could really pull from to be nominated to the Supreme court. Uh, right. You know, we're talking about the ones that are at the top of the heap in particular Barrett right. that you singled out, not just because she's rumored to be the top nominee, but it just so happens to be that, you seem to also think that she does fit the bill. You know, you've talked about uh, Scalia and Ginsburg as being intellectual heavyweights and, and, and given real, uh, you know, a very uh, clear, very real kind of uh, assessment of, you know, or, 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 or a qualification of what it takes to be on the Supreme Court, right? Like you, 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 these aren't just characters. These are really smart people. Uh, they have to have a certain quality and talent about them. And, and you feel that Barrett fits in there well. Not only that, but you think that she'll be one of the one of the justices that's you know remembered that goes down in the history books. Yes, that's that's what I currently feel about her, um, and I from reading her decisions and um, knowing what I know about her personality. Uh, again, I do not know her personally. I'm not her best friend. Uh, but all the research that everybody's doing, I have the same opportunities to do my research. And that's what I feel. And this, uh, and, and, and while you're saying that uh, her replacement um, 
she's also a she also respects uh, precedent, stare, decisis, and um, um, or starry decisis. So, what's the 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 fear that some people may have about some decisions of the past? Um, I think the core uh, decision. Um, part of those court decisions um, is probably going to be that core is not going to be shaken by by her she's she um, she respects uh, precedent and uh, star decisis unless it's so grossly um, wrong um, you know um, but I don't think the cases that everybody is talking about right now, that about that she will come and destroy. I don't think those are the cases. I I don't think so. Um, it's oh, you're because, talking about like like Roe v. Wade. That's the big. I'm talking right? like yeah, like Roe v. Wade, and yeah, because they're bringing up this repeatedly, and uh, you know, attacking her Christian beliefs and uh, her Catholic beliefs. Yeah, that's and the, she's going to come in and change that. I I don't think the, the core, yeah, the core of those cases uh, is going to change, and I don't think she's going in there as an activist to change those cases, uh, unless something grossly different comes before the court. By which I mean, um, completely different facts, completely different set of evidence. Um, it's, you know, the Supreme Court can get things wrong, right? Uh, we, we saw that in uh, Plessy v. Ferguson. We saw that how they changed it in Brown v. Board of Education, where concepts such as separate is equal, you know, separate but equal. And as long as it's equal and you keep it, even if you keep it separate, it's fine. It's apples to apples. And then in Brown v. Board of Education, uh, they ruled rightly that separate is not equal, and and the constitu- and the the funny thing is, a strict constructionist or a conservative justice would have arrived at the same spot in the first place. The Constitution does not provide for any discrimination. It treats everybody equally. These things of inequality that were created and were practiced were practiced by people with utter disregard to the Constitution. And, and, and it's not even disregard. It's, it's just that people are not, listen, people are not required to know anything about the Constitution. This is a fallacy. This whole discussion that politicians indulge in and engage in is false. If you ask me, people are not required to. I know Justice Scalia said we need to teach civics at, in school. We need to teach it right. Well, I agree in, in part. And what I agree with is if you decide to teach it, yes, teach it right. But there's no requirement. There's no requirement to stand up and you know, salute the flag there's no requirement of any such thing. The Constitution is completely silent about these things. 
what it lays down is the rule book for the governance and the government. It lays down the foundation for separation of powers. It lays down the foundation for democracy. It lays down the foundations that not, no one branch of government will be able to just take over the entire country. That's what it's about. So this whole thing about forcing anything, even education and non-ignorance and shedding light into the lives of people, it's, it's not there. It's not dictated by the Constitution. Sure, we have it. Would, you know, this is the, 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 the yeah, the, the funny point, part is politicians want you to know it. Okay, Mitch McConnell and Ch uh, Chuck Schumer, they want you to uh, know the Constitution. My point is, no, it's not our job. We put you there so that you could pass laws based on your oath to uphold the Constitution. So how come you always get it wrong? How come you come out with things that are, are race baiting, things that are discriminatory, things that go to the Supreme Court and are, get, and, and are smacked down? If you because, did your job right, we wouldn't even people, need. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because the people that, that don't learn it grow up to be those politicians, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, or they learn it too well, uh, but they also learn another thing that as politicians, people actually will just never hold us responsible because we have diverted this so well to the Supreme Court of the United States that we can get away with whatever. Yeah. We, yeah, can, we, can, we can prescribe any, uh, any act we can we can sanction anybody on anything we can make all these laws we can we can pass this feel good legislation trample upon uh, people's rights as long as we keep some people happy the target audience happy and we trample on the rights of the rest we are fine and what do the rest do they will go fight it out in the courts because we'll tell them where to fight so this this yeah so this whole fight even now about the nomination, it's clear cut. We know who has a right to nominate and we, have, we know who has a right to uh, confirm. The Senate will confirm. When, in 2016, now to going back to uh, when Ruth Bader Ginsburg did say uh, that the president, it's the president's right to nominate, she was absolutely right. And it was the Senate's right to nominate or or refused to, and which they did. They refused. They said, we will wait um, until a new president is in place. Now, remember, at that point, it was a guarantee that there was right. going to be a new president. Yeah. Obama was going to finish eight years. His two terms were done. There was no way he was he was going to be able to choose or nominate a president, even, uh, sorry, a, a Supreme Court um, justice uh, after the election. In this case, it's different. Trump has a chance of winning, and so does Biden, I understand, or maybe a third candidate might just come in right in, and I don't know. Every state has its rules, so I don't know how, how this is going to turn out. However, the rules have not changed. 
president can nominate and the Senate can decide whether to take or not to take up the nomination for a confirmation, whether to even hold the hearing. So right now, the Senate and the president belong to the same party, the same Republican party. And they, constitutionally, they can do it absolutely legal to do it. There's nothing illegal about it. this whole talk about it being unethical. So I have something to say about that as well. In 2016, Chuck Schumer and the Democrats said it is wrong for the Senate to not take up a nomination, a duly nominated justice by the president. However, today when the shoe is on the other foot, they have changed their stance. They say, oh, no, 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 no. You cannot do it in an election year. But in 2016, they reprimanded the Republicans for saying, you shouldn't be doing this. This is absolutely wrong for you to refuse to act upon the nomination. But now they're saying you, you should stick to that wrong. So I don't know. Make up your mind, guys, what was right and what was wrong. And the That's other it. threat, yeah. It's a good case study in the uh, the importance of you know the rule of law that yeah you know the rules are the rules and you can't you can't and nor do you want to be yeah. changing the rule depending on you know who's in charge yeah but yeah but politicians do it all the time and 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 they're complaining and I'm okay with even the complaining because this is exactly what the founders wanted they wanted us to fight over everything. <laughs> they didn't want this to be easy because if it were easy, it, we would have a monarch. And it's genius. Yes, it's genius. <laughs> they, they set the battlefield and they said, this is how it's going to be. It's going to be very difficult and it should be very difficult for all of you to come together and do something. We don't want it to be that easy. And because they know that all these people will get together and they are all a bunch of thieves because they represent thieves. We are all thieves. We send our thieves there to commit some thievery. And the founders knew that. They said, listen, we have come from different nations and we are all thieves. We have seen the thievery in our nations. We are gonna be, we are gonna be nice and good and we're gonna form this union, but it's not gonna last too long. Even we are going to fight. Like you said, Adams and Jefferson, you know, fighting with each other, calling each other names. So there you go. Even that didn't last too long. We are human beings. We, we do things like we, we have biases. We, have, uh, we hold uh, stereotypes about people, positive and negative. Uh, we enslave each other. We do all these kind of things. So they knew this. So what they said is, we're not going to make this easy for us, for us ourselves. We want checks and bounds. So we're going to have separation of powers. And even in those separation of powers, there will be different chambers. There'll be the representatives. There'll be the senators. It's not going to be rule of the majority either. Because if all the Hindus of India immigrated to the to the United States of America. There are about a billion up there. If they all came here and said, 
all right, we're going to ban beef. Dude, it's going to be a problem. <laughs> because you won't be able to enjoy that juicy steak. I've never tasted it, but all my friends tell me it's really juicy and they love it. Or if the Arab world, everybody just came here, and that's another billion, they would say, we're going to ban pork. And guess what? People love bacon. In fact, they love it so much, they want to have it for breakfast. So the rule of the majority is not how it works in the United States of America. Uh, the Electoral College is, is designed to keep that in check as well. That's a check on the legislature. How the legislature even comes into, into fruition. And then the legislature and the executive have to get together and all the stars have to align in order to choose the judiciary. But once the judiciary is chosen, they, I mean, the rules are set by the, by the legislature, how and why they should be chosen. But once they're chosen, currently, they have lifetime tenure and they stay there, which, which is going to segue us into discussing what the Democrats are now saying. And they have just introduced a bill we've got 15 minutes and this seems to be another one of those cases where you guys you don't want to change the laws because you don't know who's going to be in power right but exactly. this is one of those things right i'm curious yeah. to, to hear your opinion on it yes so now they have introduced a bill to set term limits for federal courts that is the supreme court but not for themselves not for themselves <laughs> That is true. <laughs> Which is their right? I get it. Right, 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 right. But they are trying to set these rules for term limits there, and whether or not the bill passes. But say the bill passes, then the same issue that you're raising right now—that people, that the president and the opposite party, uh, Senate will be controls and is controlling and is manipulating the Supreme Court will, will be able to do it even more. Like they say in contract law, the more you put on the paper, the tighter the contract becomes. Yep. You don't want all this on paper. You want to leave something open to interpretation. In other words, or in other faculties of law, in, pa in, in, in patent law, when I write a claim, the longer the claim usually, the longer the claim, the narrower the claim. The less you're claiming. Exactly. The more words I put in there. And that's why when I get these patent clients, sometimes they wonder why I left something out. And I say, do you really think I left something obvious out there, out of that? That obvious doesn't need to be in there because your invention is pretty good. Seems like you've, you're broader than all the words you're putting in there. All my words, all they're going to do is not explain. The claim is not where you explain the patent. That's in the description, the written description part. 
The claim is where I am claiming the patent. So the more words I put in there, the more um, uh, the more shackles I'm putting on your patent. So all these new rules will only put put more shackles on uh, the Supreme Court and 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 you know on on the on the process this this uh, of choosing a justice and it and more shackles means more issues and and uh, i don't want to get into the philosophical part of it where then supreme court nominees will become enslaved to their parties because they will then become absolutely partisan and they'll say i've been chosen to do this and I better do this. Uh, and I'm not going to get this position unless I promise this and I stay with this promise. And after I'm out of here, because it's a term limit, I got to survive after that. And these people will not let me survive unless I do their bidding. That's a good point. Yep, very good point. That duress will not just stay during their tenure. The duress will continue afterwards. In fact, people yeah. will go to any length to level charges and to, and, and to uh, uh, seek and get revenge. Yep. The independence of the, uh, of the judiciary will be permanently lost if we do that. And listen... Amy Coney Barrett is not a rogue person. She's not a rogue. She's an attorney. She went through the paces. Uh, she has written decisions. There is no guesswork about her decisions. Uh, she, she was a professor. She's a well-known person, a good family person. This is not some rogue person you picked up who has five DWIs and three ro armed robbery cases against her. And yet she has been nominated. And yet the Senate, just because she's from their party, is going to go ahead uh, and confirm her and put her on the Supreme Court. She does not warrant this kind of rhetoric, just like Ruth Bader Ginsburg does not deserve that kind of rhetoric, which I stated in the beginning. Yeah. I mean, you got to give respect to these ladies, not just because they're female, but perhaps a little bit extra because they're females. Because we, yes, yeah, because right. you know, yeah, you know what? They deserve that respect as human beings, absolutely. But that reverence for our mothers and our sisters or, uh, you know, uh, our grandmothers, whatever we think about them, uh, and, and definitely our mothers, right? I mean, nobody's going to argue with that. I mean, you may have a grandmother you don't agree with, but why would you, generally speaking, uh, you, you should have great respect for your mothers. And, and there you go. This is nothing old-fashioned. This is exactly, this. I'm not trying to be sexist here because, of course, that's going to be another allegation immediately. Oh, you're singling out women here, you know. Come on, let them, give me a let, break. Let them allege. 
I let them allege, yes, please go ahead. But seriously, you know, uh, in Ruth Bader's, uh, Bader Ginsburg's uh, uh, own words, she said, my mother gave me advice, be a lady. And what she meant by that is, keep your head high, do the right thing, and do not be swayed by what's going around you. Being a lady means keep your composure even in the most difficult of times. And this, these are her words. She also jokingly said, but my mother-in-law gave me even better advice. She said, as she said, it helps sometimes to be deaf. And she said, that advice has come in very handy in my marriage and especially on the Supreme Court in my profession. When people would say things to me, I just turned deaf. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's a funny take on it. And, and I want to see uh, these kind of heavyweights up there, intellectual uh, people. And, and looking and reading through the decisions of Amy Coney Barrett, it seems like she has the guts she has the, the, the courage to go against even her own so-called partisan uh, Republican uh, judges. I want to see that courage. And, and that's exactly what you, when you look at uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you think about what a courageous woman. I mean, to think about that kind of genius lady, woman was, uh, denied jobs because, only because she was a lady. And then especially because she was a mother by then. She had a child in law school. So, yeah, that's that's pretty tough. So I don't know what this whole thing against Amy Coney Barrett is. Um, you know, you, you should be out there supporting this this woman. You should be proud that one more woman will be there up on the bench to balance it out. Yeah, well, very, very, very well said. And I guess we'll see, uh, we'll see about that as the conversations are had starting, you know, tomorrow at 5 p.m., I believe, is when the nomination is supposed to be made. Sure, sure. Let's do that. Well, great conversation, uh, as usual, buddy. We'll, uh, we'll pick our uh, we'll leave the topic open we, you know, next episode we'll let people know what it is at the time where we were thinking maybe to lead into it but that's fine so again thank you for some great great insights as usual I enjoyed it and uh, thank you same here and uh, yeah we'll talk again soon uh, on some new topics hopefully yeah. alright that's it alright alright